Page 837, Mark, chapter 1. Just as a one-off this week, I want to look at one incident where Jesus meets somebody uh, and what that story has to say to us. Mark 1, very short today, just verses 40 to 45. Mark is one of the earliest uh, accounts of Jesus' life, written from the recollections of Peter, Jesus' disciple. So if you like, this is an eyewitness account uh, written very close to the time. So here is God's word. Verse 40. And a leper came to him, that's Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Uh, In his wisdom, my English teacher at school decided that we ought to study some Shakespeare. And so we studied uh, the play called Macbeth, uh, children. Uh, you're probably not most of you old enough to have looked at it yet, maybe one or two of you. Uh, I know almost nothing about Shakespeare, almost nothing about Shakespeare plays. Uh, but I can remember one scene, particularly as he showed us it on video. Uh, and in it, Lady Macbeth, uh, who has encouraged her husband to kill uh, the king. Lady Macbeth goes sleepwalking. She's disturbed by what she's done, even though she wanted to do it. She's disturbed. Uh, and she's walking through uh, the castle, rubbing her hands together. Her hands are clean, but she doesn't think that. She thinks they're stained with the blood of the king. And she rubs them together, saying, out, damn spot. She feels her uncleanness. And later, she says, all the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. Lady Macbeth, at least in fiction, was someone who knew she was unclean. But Shakespeare is a genius, isn't he, at getting at the human condition. Very few of us, I imagine, have arranged the murder of a ruler over us. Very many of us, though, will feel unclean. I don't mean literally. Dirt and sweat and smells. But spiritually. Perhaps you're new to church things. We wouldn't normally darken the doors of a church been dragged along this morning by the saints or something or you just thought oh I wonder and it just feels a bit odd being in a church you don't feel particularly at home all these squeaky clean Christians and we feel maybe I'm not meant to be here I'm not at home here I promise you Christians aren't squeaky clean but it can feel that way or perhaps you call yourself a Christian you've been around churches for years and years and years but you always feel out of place uh, you, you, you convince yourself that you managed to kid others, but inside you feel the uncleanliness and feel the dirt. And in particular, when, when you start to think about God and what it might be like to meet him, you begin to tremble. You know your dirt. You know the corruption on the inside. How does God think? How does he react to these deep, dark secrets? I want to look at two hearts this morning. Uh, First of all, our own hearts, the hearts of men and women, and then secondly, the heart of God. 
And I hope we'll see some really good news. So first of all, our own hearts. What are our hearts like? And we meet this leper, verse 40, a leper comes to Jesus. A leper is it's a general word in the Bible. It doesn't mean somebody who's got what apparently doctors tell me is now called Hansen's disease, the kind of leprosy we, uh, we speak about today. Uh, rather, it can cover all sorts of kind of skin diseases. So we don't really know what exactly is wrong with this guy. Okay? This is not a medical problem or a medical diagnosis. But somehow he's got some sort of skin problem, skin disease. And in the world that he lived in, the world of, of Israel and the temple and Judaism, uh, that meant all sorts of problems. Uh, that world, if you like, was, was controlled. The laws of that world were controlled by a book called Leviticus in the Old Testament. Let me read just a couple of verses from Leviticus. It's a book we don't often look at. It's from Leviticus chapter 13. And it talks about someone who's got leprosy. Here are the rules. Children, see if you can hear what you have to do if you're a leper. Uh, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So just try and get into the shoes of this leper, okay, this man who comes to Jesus. Uh, he has to have torn clothes. Again, all the days of his life, torn clothes. Uh, he's not allowed to do his hair, cut his hair. It's meant to fall around, sort of unkempt. He'd look shaggy, disheveled, a mess. He's got to wear a face covering. Isn't that interesting? He's got to cover his upper lip at least. And then he's got to live alone outside the camp. Okay, no lepers on, on your street. If you, if you contracted this skin disease, you've got to move not just out of the house, not just out of the street, but out of the, the whole town. Imagine that, not living next door, no contact with, with anybody other than other lepers. Out into the fields, the villages. You weren't allowed to come into the, the temple, the kind of great heart of Israel's worship. Because you were ceremonially unclean. Now, all of us over the last year or so have been through this just extraordinary experience, haven't we? Face coverings, living alone. And we've experienced it for a little bit. And perhaps particularly some of you, if, you're, if you live on your own, you, you'll know the pain of isolation. Okay, sort of feeling like confined in your own home. But imagine that for life. Now, that is the experience of this leper. It's worth saying that there was nothing, nothing sort of sinful about being unclean. Unclean, you know, can make us think, well, he must have done something wrong, or wasn't it harsh of the, of the, you know, the Israelite people or of God himself to say that, that just because you've got leprosy, you weren't allowed to come into the temple. Well, there's nothing, there's nothing sinful about his condition. Okay? So it's not sinful to have his disease. In the Old Testament, the way God set his people up was that various things made you ceremonially unclean, meant that you couldn't come into the temple to worship. So skin disease, uh, come into contact with a dead body. Okay, you might not have done anything wrong, which is someone in your family dies and you sort of attend to them. Well, you're then unclean for a period of time. Menstruation made you unclean. A husband and wife sleeping together became unclean for a while. None of these things were sinful. They're not bad. In fact, most of them are good things to do. But they made you ceremonially unclean. But at the same time, this same book, Leviticus, that tells us all about these sort of ceremonial things that make you unclean, has another category of unclean, which is 
Um, things that are bad, frankly. You sleep with your neighbour's wife, you become unclean. Worship another god, you become unclean. Uh, go and consult a, a kind of spiritualist or a fortune teller, you become unclean. There's whole lists of them. So although the same word is used, unclean, unclean, if you like, there are two, two types of uncleanliness. Now, the, the significance of that, okay, it's not just a little history lesson, but, but it, 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 it's to let us know that this leper, okay, this, this guy who is ceremonially unclean, although we don't know anything about his spiritual condition, we're not told, he's meant to be a picture to us of, of the real uncleanness. That is the sin that dwells within us. This whole system was set up to teach God's people, and ultimately teach us too, about how God reacts to uncleanliness. And what God really cares about, of course, is not so much skin diseases and bodily emissions and all the rest of it, but the state of our hearts. That is, by the way, uh, likely uh, why things like menstruation and sex and all the rest of it uh, make you ceremonially unclean because they're all processes without being too crude about us about it where something comes from within to the outside and what God is teaching us is that on the inside spiritually speaking we are unclean just a few chapters later in Mark's gospel Mark chapter 7 Jesus says this what comes out of a person is what makes him unclean for from within out of the hearts of men come evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery coveting wickedness deceit sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evils come from within and they make a person unclean. Jesus knows what we're like. He can see below the skin, as it were. And our hearts are a mess. And really, that is actually good news to hear, isn't it, this morning? Because if you're honest, you know your heart is like that. I know my heart is like that. We don't need to hide it from God. Not that we can. He knows all things. We're foolish to try and hide from someone who knows all things and sees all things. It is a relief to know that Jesus knows what our hearts are like, that we are spiritually lepers, if you like, and yet he still comes towards us. He doesn't flee away. We're tempted to react in denial, aren't we? No, I'm not like that. Okay, there's no sort of spiritual uncleanness in me. But you can only do that if you just look skin deep. It is possible, quite likely, in fact, that you've never murdered anyone. It is possible, less likely, but it's possible, quite strongly possible, that you've never physically had an affair with someone, committed adultery. It is possible, again, I'm getting less likely, more people commit, that it's possible you've never literally stolen something, physically. But, but actually, that's just looking on the outside, if you like, just looking at the skin. Jesus looks at the heart. Not just physically sleeping with someone who's not your wife. But lusting after someone who's not your husband or wife is adultery, says Jesus. Uh, murder isn't simply killing someone, ceasing their life, but getting angry at them, unreasonably angry at them. Uh, stealing isn't just putting your hand in the till and swiping cash, but, but, but demanding things that aren't yours, coveting, desiring things that aren't yours, getting angry with God when he doesn't give them to you. Our hearts are these factories of, of gunk, Children, have you ever seen sort of water pumps, really old water pumps? And sometimes if you don't use them for a long time, you start sort of pumping them again. What first comes out, or a tap you've not used for ages, what first comes out isn't nice pure water, but sort of black gunk. And Jesus is brutally honest with us. He says, that, that's what your hearts are like. Okay, you pump and add it'll come. 
Uh, others of us, we don't want to, we might not be in some denial, uh, but we just distract ourselves. We never stop to actually look and think, what am I like, spiritually speaking? What would happen if, in the words of the, the Psalm 15 that, that we chose, that well, I think it was Abby who chose Psalm 15, we just sang, what would happen if I ascended God's holy hill? If you're like, it's a picture of going up into heaven. What, what if I stand before a pure, holy God? What would happen? Would I be okay? We distract ourselves with Netflix and work and busyness and DIY and we never stop and look and see the leprosy within. Uh, why not? Uh, why? Whether, whether you're a Christian or not, but why is it often so hard to stop and, and admit and see the corruption, the muck within? Well, I think because we've got the same problem as this leper. I, I think he... He's a man of faith, but of mixed faith. Uh, what, what does he believe and what doesn't he believe? If we have a look at him, what does he believe and what doesn't he believe? What he, what he does believe is that Jesus can heal him, can make him clean. Do you see verse 40? If you will, you can make me clean. He doesn't seem to doubt Jesus' power. At this stage, we're early doors in, in the gospel, but already uh, Jesus healed many people. He, he, he sees that God is powerful. Again, for, for us, perhaps we... We believe there is a God out there. We know that there is a powerful God out there. Uh, he is strong and, and mighty and perhaps a bit scary. But, but our question is, is, is that of the lepers. If you will, are you willing? You can see you can do it, Jesus. But will you? Are you kind? How will you react to my uncleanness? Uh, many of us have debts, one sort or another. Um, a mortgage on a house or a student loan or, or whatever it may be. Imagine, um, so children, imagine, imagine you owed someone loads and loads of money. Okay, that's what a debt is, loads and loads of money. And then you find the queen is coming to your, to your area. She's going to come and open a, a local hospital and all the crowds are welcome on the streets. So you line up and the queen is coming down, kind of waving and shaking hands. Now you're, you're aware that you owe you know, thousands of pounds. Now the queen is able to pay off your debt, isn't she? She is rich. Okay, she has the money. She's able question is, is she willing? Is she willing to pay off your student loan? Is she willing to pay off your mortgage? And if you're honest, you doubt it, don't you? Okay, would you dare ask? Your Majesty, thanks so much for coming. Just while you're here, I do owe the student loan company 30 grand. No chance. This leper risks everything. He should be out there, shouldn't he? Not, not, not approaching. Verse 40, he came to Jesus. He shouldn't be approaching Jesus. He shouldn't be approaching anyone. Stay out of your leper community. But he comes. He knows it's the only hope. But still this question is there. Are you willing? Well, thankfully, if the heart of man is corrupt, look at the heart of Jesus. It's full of, what do we see, verse 41? Pity. What should that? It's not a brilliant word. I mean, it's one of those words that can be ambiguous in English. Compassion would be better. Pity is like, could, could sound like, oh, hmm. He's filled with compassion. It's, it's a word that talks about your, your guts, children, your guts, your stomach. You know, in our society, we sort of, we think the heart is the centre of emotions, don't we? Our heart loves. But in the Bible, it's your guts. This, this word, it's a funny word. It's sort of, it, it's a word about being moved in your, in your guts, in your bowels. And actually, that, that's how, what life is like, isn't it? If you feel nervous, you often feel it down here, don't you? If you feel excited because, you know, someone said yes when you asked them to marry you, it's often felt down here, isn't it? In the guts. Jesus is moved in his guts with compassion. You come to him today with your sin and your uncleanness. The things that you feel so guilty, so dirty for. What's his reaction? 
horror, stepping away, no compassion. Uh, just once in my life, I've had an incident. I was, a, I was abroad. Uh, just, just once where I, I met someone and he put his hand out to shake my hand. And you know, to my shame, he was so sort of physically repelling that, that, that just for a second I hesitated. He's covered in these sort of skin things and all sorts of problems. And it, just, to, again, to my shame, just slight hesitation. But there's no hesitation with Jesus. When you come to him, whatever the uncleanness, remember the uncleanness he knows about. We're tempted to think that, okay, he might forgive pride, but he's not going to forgive sexual immorality. Uh, perhaps he'll cleanse envy, but he's not going to, he's not going to deal with my pornography problem. He's not going to forgive, then we fill in the blank with whatever our particular uncleanliness is, whatever it is that makes us feel particularly dirty. But Jesus doesn't hesitate. He reaches out. I am willing, verse 41. And he touches him. You don't touch leopards. Not just medically, but again, in the whole system they lived in, if you touch someone or something that's unclean, you become unclean. That's the way it should work. But instead, what happens? The leper becomes clean. Jesus came to make us clean. What is the heart of Jesus? He is moved with compassion. Uh, let me just say that. It depends what Bible you've got in your lap. Your Bible might say moved by anger. It's one of those rare places in the Bible where it's a little bit difficult to know what word exactly uh, is in there. But if it's anger, it was meant to be anger. It's not anger at the man. It, 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 it's, it's anger at the, at the problem, at uncleanliness, at sin. He wants to get rid of it. So that the end result is the same. Jesus wants to reach out and cleanse. He wants to touch. He wants this morning to make you clean. The heart of Christ towards sinners is one of compassion. And who is this Jesus? Well, we've dived into just one passage this morning, but if we'd read the sort of earlier parts of Mark's gospel, Mark chapter one, what what have we seen about who he is? Again, if you've got a Bible open in front of you, you'll see this more easily. In verse 24, what do we read? Who is he? These, these evil spirits cry out, you are the holy one of God. You, you are holy, Jesus. Well, surely Jesus being holy means he's going to shy away, but no. He reach out, reaches out and touches. Go back a few verses earlier. Mark chapter 1, then verse 11. At the baptism of Jesus, this voice comes out of heaven. God's voice, God the Father's voice. You are my son. Here is the son of God. God, the Holy One, the one before whom angels veil their eyes. How does he react towards sin and uncleanliness? He reaches out in compassion, doesn't shy away. Get back a few verses earlier. Verse 7, John the Baptist, this great holy man, this great prophet. And what does he say about about Jesus who's to come? He says, look, I'm not worthy to to untie his sandals. That's John the Baptist. Okay, If we were doing kind of rankings, he's way above you and me. And yet, how does Jesus respond? Compassion and touch. All right, back, finally, to verse 3. Isaiah, predicting Jesus' coming, says, prepare the way of the Lord. That is just God's name. Jesus is God. So when we're seeing the compassion of Jesus, don't think we're seeing something other than the compassion of God. There is no gap between Jesus and God as if they're somehow different beings or something. We found a nice, kind man on earth, but up in heaven, God is furious. no. 
Yes, God is holy. Yes, sin and God do not mix. And yet he is full of compassion and so wants to deal with our sin, wants to cleanse us, forgive us. He is willing. So how can you? How can you, an unclean leper, how can we, unclean lepers, approach this holy one? Do you not fear and tremble too? There are times when you close your eyes to pray and just think, I can't, not after what I've done. Uh, shouldn't we just sort of go and hide out with the other lepers? That's what the world tells us to do, isn't it? Don't get too near to God and church, it's all a bit scary and dead. Just run out and, and find other people who live like you do. Hang out in the leper colony and, and pretend everything's okay. Avoid him like the plague. Shut your eyes. Pretend there's nothing wrong. No, Jesus, just come to me. Come and you'll find welcome. There is more holiness in Jesus than there is sin in us. More grace in him than there is uncleanliness in us. I am willing. So the whole good news of this passage is that God's heart, if you like, and the gospel are, are not in conflict. The gospel, the Christian message, reveals God's heart for sinners. I think it's quite easy. I think I do this all the time. It's something I sort of struggle with personally. It's quite easy to have quite a, what you might call a kind of transactional understanding of the gospel. Um, so yesterday or the day before, I was on the phone to the, to the credit card company on my credit card. And um, I won't bore you with the details, but I, I thought I'd got everything sorted. I thought I'd paid everything off at the right time and thought everything was okay. And, but I just thought I'd better phone up to check. So, so I'm waiting on this, this woman. Okay. Is, my, is my debt cleared? Okay. I, I think it is. I think I've done everything right. I think I've gone through the moves. And I think we're square. But I'm just waiting on this woman at Lloyd, Lloyd's Bank to just, just, just to give me the okay. But she doesn't care about me. Okay, she's, essentially, she's, essentially, she's essentially a kind of robot. She's just putting in the calculations, which is very nice, nice Northern Irish lady, but she's essentially a robot, putting in the calculations, has it worked? Has he paid this amount of money on the right day? And then we're, then we're clear and square and we can keep going. There's no love, there's no compassion, there's no heart for me. And I think you can begin to think of the gospel like that. If you've been a Christian for a while and you, you know the gospel message well, okay, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He is our, our hope. Uh, he, he has paid our debt. And it can just, you can just start to think sometimes that, that, that therefore, okay, you're clear and you'll be allowed into heaven, but God is fundamentally not that impressed. Okay, we've paid the debt, we're square, I've got to let you in. That's how the gospel works. But we don't think, of, we don't think much about what he, if he feels towards us. It's just a transaction that's worked, so I think we're okay. And, and we become cold in our, our own hearts, and we think he's cold towards us. But this passage tells us that the gospel and, and God's heart are in unity. In fact, it's God's love that led to the cross and the gospel. He is still the Holy One, notice. Jesus doesn't say to this leper, hey, leper, clean, what's the difference? We each do our own thing. You do you. You get on with living life as you like. Uh, no, you do need to be cleansed. Jesus doesn't say to us this morning, hey, look, hey, we all sin. <laughs> Never mind. Sure, everything will be okay in the end. No one's perfect. He does say to you this morning, you do need to be clean. You do need me to forgive you. But he says with that, I am willing. I am willing. He remains the Holy One. 
And so we can't just wander into his presence, but he's holy and compassionate. And so he's willing to forgive. How on earth does that work? How can you have a God who is so holy that sin can't come into his presence, but so full of compassion that he's able to forgive sins? There's a clue just at the end. Do you see it in verse 45 uh, as we close? What was the state of the leper as we started? Children, do you remember, where did the leper have to live? Do you remember? Could he live with the family? Could he live with his people? No, he was an outcast. He had to live outside the city. Okay, his leprosy drove him away from people. Where does Jesus end up at the, at the end of the passage? Verse 45, Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desert places. It's, it's a picture, it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done. He's traded places with a leper. That is how he saves us. Ultimately, what's going to happen is that Jesus is going to take on his shoulders all the uncleanliness of you and me and go to the cross. He's crucified, he tells us, outside the city, pinned on a cross outside the city. He is clean, but he becomes unclean for our sake. He puts it all on his back, all the dirt, all the stains. They're splattered onto him. Imagine every stain in you, every sin that stains you being transferred onto him. He, he's spotlessly white as he hangs on the cross, if you like, robed in white, imagine. But all the splurge is blown onto him. As you pump that pump, children, full of gunk and grime, it is splurged onto him. So it's not free. It costs him his life. And it will cost us ours if we don't ask for his cleansing. But so much is his love that he's willing, and he has swapped places with his people. How do you receive the cleansing? We just need to ask. You see that? What does the, what does the leper do? Does he come with money? No. Uh, does he come and bargain? Lord Jesus, I've um, I said a lot of prayers this week. I've given money. I've... No. If you will, you can. He just asks. And Jesus says, be clean. Notice that it'd be easy to misunderstand that. When Jesus says, be clean, he's not saying tidy yourself up. Get back to the leper colony. Put on some makeup. Rub yourself down. Then come back and be clean. And then I'll let you back in. No. The cleansing comes from Jesus. All the power is in Jesus. Nothing in the leper. If you want forgiveness and eternal life, you bring nothing, but that's good. That's okay. All the power is in him. If, 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 if this morning, it's the first time you ever heard about Jesus. You need to wait. Jesus said, God says to you in Jesus this morning, come to me, ask, and I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. You don't need anything. Just come, and you will be clean. Me, and you swapping places I've taken the punishment and you are free if you're a Christian you're wracked with a sense of your uncleanness remember he has cleansed you he has wrapped you in his white robe taken off his robe if you like and wrapped it around you as he takes off your dirty clothes and puts it on himself you are clean yes you will still sin but in God's sight you are clean and as we engage in that fight for holiness, we try and slowly cleanse our hearts of the grime. We'll never finish the job before we die, but as we slowly try, where does the power come from for cleansing again in him? Some of us will be we're caught in particular sins at the moment that we just feel we can't get out of. What do we need? We need to bring Jesus our, our grimy hearts, our unclean hearts, our leprous hearts and say, look, I cannot beat this. 
I cannot get off the alcohol or the drugs. I cannot get away from the pornography. I cannot stop lying. I cannot stop the fear. I cannot. I just can't do it. Whatever it might be. Cleanse me, Lord Jesus. I can't do it just by reading books. I can't do it by trying harder. I've, I've just got nothing. But cleanse me if you're willing. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. God's heart for us is seen in Jesus. His compassion, his love. It's a love we need. It's a love we must receive. But it's a love that demands nothing from us and gives everything. And only when we see that compassion will we dare look at ourselves and see the leprosy and know it's safe to come to Jesus. It's safe to come to God with all that's wrong because he is willing and he is able. Let's pray. Our Father, you are holy, holy, holy. Uh, the seraphim, the cherubim, they veil their eyes before you. Uh, you are burningly pure. And uh, we don't pretend we could walk into your presence in our own righteousness. Uh, but you are God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Uh, you show mercy to all who call on you. And you've given us the gift of Jesus to cleanse us. And so we come to you now in his name whether for the first time or for the hundredth time, and ask again that we would be clean. Wash us. We praise you that you are willing. I thank you that we stand in Jesus' righteousness, in his robe, so we are safe. But we pray for transformation as well, that you would cleanse our grubby hearts and make them into hearts that love you, love our neighbour and know your great compassion. Would we know your love for us in, a, in increasing measure, we pray. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.